0: Welcome to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday, so as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, recently I did a Q&A on Instagram and I just spent a couple of hours one morning on a long drive, I was a passenger, don't worry, answering just all of our followers' baby and toddler sleep questions, everything from night wakes to sleep regressions to teething to illness. I said, just ask me all of your questions and you did. So if you follow us on Instagram anyway, you did. So I pulled some of the questions that I wasn't able to get to that day, out and i'm using them over the next little while to fill up our q a tuesday and answer those extra questions that i didn't get to that day but that are still really common questions that i get from parents very often to make sure that i can answer those and help out not just the people who ask them but probably a lot of the rest of you who have similar questions have had the question are coming upon situations where you're probably going to have that challenge or question with regards to your baby's sleep so here we go for today first question that I pulled out that I wanted to touch on is because it's now summer I live in Ontario if you live in Ontario you know that we really relish the summer because we don't get that many weeks of amazing weather in the year and so we really want to maximize our time outdoors and all that fun time at beaches and barbecues and pool parties and cottages so this question said hi Erin any suggestions for a long day at the beach with a one napper so annoying to have to leave midday for nap time is what this mom said and i totally agree you know myla my own little girl is long out of the napping stage she's almost nine at this point but it uh, i remember the days when it was just so frustrating to think well i know she needs a nap she's going to be really cranky without it but i don't want to leave the fun thing that we're doing because once again we only get so much fun outdoors time when you live in a climate like we live in so you want to really max it out squeeze out every last drop of that summertime, and not be leaving all the time for naps so how do we get around that really the simple and only answer is well not the only answer okay my answer is you do a carrier nap or a stroller nap the other answer would be you just skip the nap but i'd rather you didn't skip the nap I really recommend that you try to take time in the middle of the day if you are at a beach and you don't want to leave. If you are at a friend's house for an all-day pool party or barbecue, take the time to go for a carrier nap or a stroller nap. Don't necessarily leave, okay? If you are at a friend's house and you are able to use a bedroom to set up a playpen and allow your baby to sleep there. Of course, keep in mind, it's still COVID time, so that is only... Assuming that you are in a situation or an area where it's okay to go in someone's house, but or in future, if it's not COVID and you are able to go in someone's house, if you're able to do that, then that's a great option. If you're at a friend's house for a barbecue or just a day of playing and you are able to go inside and set up a playpen and a portable blackout blind, a little travel sound machine, and take your sleep sack with you, then that's a great way to make sure that you can still have a long, fun day away from home, but get your child a nap but this mom is talking about being at the beach which is similar to you know just being somewhere where you're you don't have an easily accessible place for your baby to sleep in a crib or a playpen so if you are having a long day at the beach or something similar to that the best resort is a carrier nap or a stroller nap not skipping the nap altogether it depends on your child's age certainly if your child is two and a half, three, three and a half and still napping, that child might be able to get through the day with a lot more ease without the nap if it's just that one day or it's just once in a while that it happens. But if your child is only 18 months, 20, 24 months around there, they really, really need that nap every day. And you're probably going to have a pretty cranky toddler on your hands by bedtime if they don't have any nap at all. So best to do an assisted nap or an on-the-go nap like a carrier or a stroller rather than skipping the nap altogether. You know, excuse yourself from the little party at the beach that you're at and walk down the beach in the carrier. Or if you have a stroller that works in the sand, walk in a stroller. Or you know, go up to the boardwalk or wherever you can with a stroller and do a nap there. It might not be as long or quite as restful of a nap that your baby would have at home, but at least your baby's getting some rest. You could walk around for maybe an hour or so, get that nap in, take the edge off essentially, and then Enjoy the rest of your day at the beach, get home for probably an early bedtime because the nap probably again, wasn't as long or as restful as your child's nap normally is. And just on top of that, your child just had a big, exciting, fun day outdoors, and is probably really tired. So try to prioritize being home by a pretty early bedtime that night that's a pretty easy way to manage a long day at the beach with a child who's on one nap. Even with a child who's on two naps, you know, you could do both of the naps in the carrier, or you could do the first nap on the way to the beach and then enjoy a few hours of fun and do the second nap in the carrier and enjoy a little more Fun and then go home for bedtime. So lots of ways to get around the naps when you just need to be out of the house for the whole day. You don't need to be trapped by the nap all the time. The next question I pulled out today was about determining the cause of early wakes, how to determine the cause of early wakes. There are a few main culprits of early morning wake-ups and some are easier to solve than others. The first culprit is the simpler one and it is noise and it is light. So I guess those are culprits. If it is too bright in your child's room, if it is too loud in your child's room it can really encourage early morning wakeups. Our children are in a lighter stage of sleep between about 4 and 6 a.m. To be honest, all of us even adults are in a lighter stage of sleep between about 4 and 6 a.m. We have less sleep pressure at that time because we've already had a lot of sleep leading up to that point. We still need a little more rest, but it's harder to get back to sleep if we wake up if it is bright in the room. You know, if it's the middle of July, and your child doesn't have good blackout blinds and curtains in their room and the sun is already starting to peek through and they're in a light stage of sleep and they wake up a little bit it's going to make it hard for them to go back to sleep so really look at good quality pull down opaque roller style blackout blinds or accordion style blackout blinds covered by good quality blackout curtains to make it nice and dark in your child's room especially if you're already experiencing early wakes and make it quiet. You know, if the garbage truck goes lumbering down the street at five o'clock in the morning or a motorcycle whizzes by at five thirty, it can be really tough for your child to stay asleep. So consider a sound machine, put it five or 10 feet away from your child's crib, have it on a white noise or a rain setting, have it under 50 decibels, but make sure that it is doing its job of drowning out those external sounds. That can be a fairly simple way of avoiding early morning wake ups. The other two big things, however, are sleep props and incorrect awake times. So when it comes to sleep props, we're talking about things that have helped your child get to sleep the night before at bedtime, their pacifier, rocking them to sleep, feeding them to sleep, bouncing them on a yoga ball to go to sleep. If your child needed that at bedtime the night before, then it's very likely in that light stage of sleep between about four and 6am, they're going to need that same prop in order to get back to sleep. They stir, they're in that light stage of sleep, they wake up and they say, hey, wait a minute, when I went to sleep at bedtime last night, I was in someone's arms on that yoga ball and that's the last thing I remember. And now I'm in this crib and I don't know how to go back to sleep. It's really tough for me to go back to sleep right now. Even a child who will go back to sleep independently around midnight may have early morning wake-ups around 4 or 5 a.m. if a sleep prop was used at bedtime because again, around 4 or 5 a.m., there's not as much sleep pressure and it's harder to get back to sleep independently than it is at midnight. And if a child doesn't have really strong independent sleep skills, it makes it that much harder to go back to sleep in those early morning hours. So work on removing the sleep props and independent sleep to help with those early morning wake-ups too. We have a whole episode on sleep coaching strategies and different ideas that you might want to look at in terms of promoting independent sleep we have a highlight on instagram about that too at the happy sleep company so those are some places to check out as well as the blog for some good ideas on promoting independent sleep habits and the other thing is incorrect awake times and what I mean by that is usually overtiredness if your child is overtired when they go to bed at night they are more likely to wake up early in the morning sounds very counterintuitive you would think the more exhausted your child is when they go to bed at night the later they would sleep the next day but it's just not how it works if they're overtired agitated overstimulated when they go to bed at bedtime they're more likely to have disrupted sleep in the night, especially in the early hours of the morning. They're going to have more trouble getting into and staying in a nice, deep, restful sleep. So make sure that your child's awake times are appropriate for their age and they're not overtired when they go to bed at bedtime we have several different sleep guides about appropriate wake times and schedules. And we also have lots of information on the blog and on Instagram about age appropriate awake times. So if your child is four months old, how much awake time should they have before bed hint? It's about an hour and a half an hour 45. If your child is eight months old, how much awake time before bed, it's usually around three hours depending on your child and whether they're on two naps or three, that's different based on the individual baby, but There's lots of information about that and every specific age in our sleep guides on the blog on Instagram. So check that out, but really make sure that you're focusing on when your child is looking tired, how old they are, what age appropriate awake times are for that age and getting them to bed at night before they get overtired because that can help out with avoiding the early morning wake ups as well. Next question was about moving. I'm moving to a new house. Should I expect a regression? In my baby So it doesn't tell me how old this baby is but it does say baby so we'll talk about babies and we'll talk about toddlers with babies you don't necessarily need to expect a regression when you move to a new home with a baby especially if your baby already has good independent sleep habits if you have a good sleeper on your hands and they sleep in a nice dark quiet sleep environment at your current home they go to sleep well they sleep well through the night, they take good naps, then when you are moving to a new home, you shouldn't really need to expect a regression. If you move to a home where you also have a nice, dark, quiet, sleep-conducive environment for your baby to sleep in, for your baby, it's not that much different than their old environment. They're not as aware of their sleep surroundings as, say, a toddler or a preschooler might be. And so, you can expect that things should be fairly smooth of course on the day of the move that might be the day when it's a little bit chaotic for your baby they might have to have some on-the-go naps while you're moving they might have to stay at grandma's house while their parents do the move and that might make for a little bit of an off day but in terms of the overall move and once you get there and settled in try to prioritize setting up your baby's sleep space again the more similar it can be to what they're used to the better. So, if you can prioritize getting their crib set up and their room blacked out so that they can go to sleep on that first night in your new home quite easily, you shouldn't have to worry too much about it. Toddlers and preschoolers can be another ball of wax because they're much more aware of their surroundings and your 3-year-old might be upset that His Paw Patrol poster that was in his old room isn't in his new room because, you know, you weren't able to get it off the wall without ripping it. And so it didn't get to come along on the trip or his bed is in a different place than it used to be. So you may really need to sit with your preschooler and talk him through the move and get him excited about it. Maybe with a child that age, consider getting him a couple of new things. Keep things the same for the most part if you can. Again, the posters that were on the wall, bring them with you if you can. His old stuffy that he's always been used to have that with him but you could consider a couple little new things like some new sheets before the move get him really excited about it get him to go out with you and pick out the new sheets maybe he's really into paw patrol and so you go get sheets that look like that or a new poster for the wall or something that he's really excited about to make him really interested and intrigued about his new room to avoid a regression so in general moving not too much of a big deal for little ones especially little little ones maybe you need to do a little more coaxing with your older one and get them a little more excited about it bedtime for a three-month-old what should it be Three months old is a tricky stage because you are, depending where you're at with your three-month-old, if they've just turned three months, they're basically still a newborn. If they're heading more towards the four-month mark, they're getting out of the newborn stage and things change a little bit. But in general, I would say that bedtime for a three-month-old might be anywhere between about 6.30 and 8.30. And again, that goes back to that conversation about awake times. It's not going to be the exact same bedtime every night. It's going to be about an hour and a half after their last nap ends. So that is an age appropriate awake time for a three month old at the end of the day, an hour and a half. So if today your three month old wakes up from their last nap at six, I would put him down for the night at seven thirty. If tomorrow he wakes up from his last nap at six thirty, then I would put him down for the night at eight. I would try to make sure he's awake from his last nap by seven at the latest so that bedtime isn't later than eight 30, because at this stage, most children go to sleep more easily if they go to sleep by about eight 30. So for a newborn leading into that four month stage, when we're in that three to four month stage, anywhere between about six 30 and eight 30 for bedtime is great. But remember that it's based on age appropriate awake times and the amount of time your child is awake after their last nap each day, and that might change a little bit from day to day. Final question that I pulled out for today is how long is too long to fall asleep? I get this question a lot. My two and a half year old is put down at seven fifteen PM and he takes an hour to fall asleep. And then he wakes up at 6 AM for the day. So that's a really good question. The first thing I'll say is that it is pretty normal for babies to take around five to 10 minutes to fall asleep for a nap time, and maybe more like 10 to 15 minutes to fall asleep at bedtime. For toddlers and preschoolers, it can take longer. Still might only take 10 or 15 minutes for them to fall asleep at nap time, but it can take around 20 or 30 minutes for a toddler or preschooler to fall asleep at bedtime, and that is pretty normal. They have a lot going on in their little minds, a lot to process at the end of the day. So 20 or 30 minutes of talking and chatting and singing to themselves in their crib or their bed is pretty normal for a toddler or preschooler, but this child is taking an hour to fall asleep at bedtime. That's a pretty long time. So there are a couple of answers to this, and it really depends on whether this child is still having a nap or not. And then the answers are really different depending on whether he is napping or not. So I'm not sure about this individual parent who asked this question, but I'm going to give both scenarios because it's probably going to help out more followers if I give you both scenarios, because some two and a half year olds are still napping and some are not. I will say that the majority of two and a half year olds still need to have a nap in the middle of the day. And most children aren't really ready to go without a nap until closer to three to four years of age. So I'm going to first make the assumption that this two and a half year old is still napping. Don't worry if he's not, some two and a half year olds are ready to go without a nap and certainly no judgment if he's already dropped his nap. Um, but let's just start with the scenario where he does still have a nap. If a two and a half year old has a nap, say, hour two hour nap in the middle of the day and you're trying to put him to bed at seven fifteen, and he's taking an hour to fall asleep i would suggest he's not tired enough so if your two and a half year old still has a nap he probably needs a bedtime of closer to quarter to eight eight o'clock i wouldn't make the bedtime later than eight but I would make a bedtime close to eight for a child that age who's still napping, and I would definitely suggest that he's not tired enough at 7.15, and I'm not surprised that he's taking an hour or so to fall asleep. There's not enough sleep pressure. You hear me say that a lot. We have a whole episode devoted to what sleep pressure is, but there's not enough sleep pressure. He's not tired enough by 7.15 if he's that age and still napping, so I would do an eight o'clock bedtime instead. For a two and a half year old who is not napping, I would do the opposite. I would do a very early bedtime. Again, most children need a nap until closer to three or four years of age. So if he's two and a half and already not napping, he's probably very overtired by 7.15 and that will make it much harder for him to fall asleep. He'll be agitated, overstimulated, wired, and it'll be harder for him to get into a nice, deep, restful sleep at bedtime. So if your two and a half year old is no longer napping, I would suggest a bedtime as early as 6 PM, not forever, but for a little while, probably for even the next six months or so, a 6 PM bedtime. And then as he gets closer to three, three and a half, you could probably start to extend bedtime maybe at first to 6 30 see how that goes and then all the way up to 7 7:15. at that point when his body clock is really adjusted to not napping anymore and he's a little older and can handle some more awake time at the end of the day without being really overtired so that's what i would do in that scenario there's those couple of different situations it really depends on whether there's still a nap or not and the answer is really different depending on whether he's still napping The question was how long is too long to fall asleep? So again, more than 30 minutes for a toddler or preschooler to fall asleep at bedtime. I would say maybe there's something going on with scheduling that's quite a while to fall asleep. And I would be making some scheduling tweaks to adjust that a little bit. So I hope that was helpful. I hope all the answers today were helpful. Keep the questions coming. DM me on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company. You can send them through the website. There's some contact information there at thehappysleepcompany.com. And I'm always happy to answer. And I hope everybody has a great week. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one on one to get sleep on track.